Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go. The topic is when things don't work. Frequently, when faced with a problem, we may attempt to solve it in a particular way. When that way doesn't work, we may continue trying to solve the problem in that same way. Reminds me of uh, Einstein's definition of insanity. Back to the reading. We may get frustrated, try harder, get more frustrated, and then exert more energy and influence into working the same solution that we have already tried that didn't, and that didn't work. Wow, that, uh, man, that describes a job that I had a decade ago for sure. Back to the reading. That approach makes us crazy. Not anymore though. I mean, I, you know, a lot of this stuff, I, I can see a change happening in recovery. It tends to get us stuck and trapped. It is the stuff that unmanageability is made of. We can get caught in the same difficult pattern in relationships, in tasks, in any area of our life. We initiate something. It doesn't work. It doesn't flow. We feel badly. Then try the same approach harder, even though it's not working and flowing. Sometimes it's appropriate not to give up and to try harder. Sometimes it's more appropriate to let go, detach, and stop trying so hard. Um, I remember... uh, I remember once I was just like, I, I, I'd mentioned I had the case of the fuck it's and somebody had called me and heard that and said, you know, when they have that, the answer is self-care and play. Um, no, I went to a Julia Cameron convention with, you know, she wrote the book, The Artist Way. Um, and there was somebody who was asking a question and she was like, do you do morning pages? And the guy was like, yes. Do you do the artist day? He's like, yes. Do you do the artist walk? It's a 20 minute, I think, walk twice a week. It's like, yes. She's like, you need to have fun. And, uh, you know, I think this passage is a reminder for me that, you know, fun and play are, you know, especially in recovery, they're not optional and they're not something that you have to earn. You know, that was something that I thought for so long, you know, just kind of being raised in a workaholic type household. Back to the reading. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't flow, maybe life is trying to tell us something. Life is a gentle teacher. She doesn't always send neon road signs to guide us. Sometimes the signs are more subtle. Something not working may be a sign. Let go. If we have become frustrated by repeated efforts that aren't producing desired results, we may be trying to force ourselves down the wrong path. Sometimes a different solution is appropriate. Sometimes a different path opens up. Often the answer will emerge more clearly in the quietness of letting go than it will in the urgency, frustration, and desperation of pushing harder. Yeah, let go and let God do my part and pray is a lot is a lot more effective than doing the same strategy over and over again and just doing it with more brute force. Ask for help and, re- and be willing to receive it is another is another thing. We relax and we take it easy. We don't struggle, right? Back to the reading. Learn to recognize when something isn't working or isn't flowing. Step back and wait for clear guidance. Today, I will not make myself crazy by repeatedly trying solutions that have proven themselves unsuccessful. If something isn't working, I will step back and wait for guidance. And I think for me, how that shows up is in like almost like activity addiction. It's like, okay, you got to do this and you got to do that. You got to do this. And, you know, it feels good, but, you know, it just seems eventually there will be a crash and, you know, changing the behavior. And for me, making amends with myself is just, you know, introducing, (laughs) introducing, reintroducing self-care and play and those aspects in my life. That is the solution. 
The next reading also comes from the great Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is when things don't work. Frequently, when faced with a problem, we may attempt to solve it in a particular way. When that way doesn't work, we may continue trying to solve the problem in that same way. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, the same passage. Sorry about that. Um, let's go to this passage. Um, achieving harmony. When a pianist learns a new piece of music, he or she does not sit down and instantly play it perfectly. A pianist often needs to practice each hand's work separately to learn the feel, to learn the sound. One hand picks out a part until there is a rhythm and ease in playing what is difficult. Then the musician practices with the other hand, picking through the notes one by one until that hand learns its tasks. When each hand has learned its part, the sound, the feel, the rhythm, and the tones, then both hands can play together. During the time of practice, the music may not sound like much. It may sound disconnected, not particularly beautiful, but when both hands are ready to play together, music is created, a whole piece comes together in harmony and beauty. I feel like this is, you know, I'm learning about assertiveness and boundaries, and, and I think, that, you know, this reminds me of sloppily doing it, certainly making progress, but uh, yeah, this reading reminds me of it. Anyways, back to the reading. When we begin recovery, it may feel like we spend months, even years, practicing individual, seemingly disconnected behaviors in the separate parts of our life. We take our new skills into our work, our career, and begin to apply them slowly, making our work relationships healthier for us. We take our skills into our relationships, sometimes one relationship at a time. We struggle to our new behaviors in our love relationships. One part at a time, we practice our new music note by note. We work on our relationship with our higher power, our spirituality. We work at loving ourselves. We work at believing we deserve the best. We work on our finances, on our recreation, sometimes on our appearance, sometimes on our home. We work on feelings, on beliefs, on behaviors. Yikes, this is overwhelming. <laughs> Letting go of the old, acquiring the new. We work and work and work, okay? We practice, we struggle through, we go from one extreme to the other, and sometimes back through the course again. We make a little progress, go backward, and then go forward. On a serious note, it just feels like the obstacle is the way, you know, in this, in this case, it, when it comes to complex PTSD and trauma. It may all seem disconnected. It may not sound like a harmonious, beautiful piece of music, just isolated notes. Then one day, something happens. We become ready to play with both hands, to put the music together. What we have been working toward, note by note, becomes a song. That song is a whole life, a complete life, and a life in harmony. The music will come together in our life if we keep practicing the parts. Today, I will practice my recovery behaviors through the individual parts of my life. I trust that one day things will come together in a full, complete song. Yeah, this has been a journey full of zigzags and obviously not as linear as I would have liked it to be, but it has been the most rewarding thing in my life by far. And uh, this passage was important to read it. Now we move on to ACA, Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is caretaking. We do not have to participate in their dysfunction. We are free to live our own lives. Big Red Book, page 123. And I think that's something that comes to mind right now, um, you know, with regards to, like, you know, people close to me. I don't really need to participate in other people's dysfunction. Back to the reading. As children, we may have had to literally be our brother's keeper because in the dysfunction, we were given responsibilities far beyond our years. And we didn't learn to take care of ourselves in the process because we were so focused on others. As adults, many of us continue this pattern, ignoring our own needs and being drawn to people we could take care of. Ooh, subtle. We told ourselves we were okay because we were caring, compassionate people. And in return, 
We often receive praise and adulation. People said things like, isn't she wonderful? What would we do without him? This fed the hole in her soul for a while. Man, it, this, I wouldn't be cringing if this wasn't had elements of real painful truth. Back to the reading. But then the praise stopped coming unless we asked for it. The satisfaction we thought we were experienced diminished. We may have even started to blame others for being ungrateful. When we joined ACA, we began a program of rigorous honesty and learned to recognize what we were doing. Yes, people took advantage of us, but we taught them to treat us that way. And now with the help of ACA, our higher power, and our new family, we've begun to undo that. We're letting others take responsibility for themselves. On this day, I will continue taking care of and valuing myself because I'm worth it. I will give others the gift of taking care of themselves. And the final reading comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is self-doubt. We were taught to doubt ourselves, so it became natural to believe that we are wrong, defective, or uninformed. Many of us learned early to doubt what we knew we saw because our parents shamed us into believing we were incapable of knowing, and also my grandmother, for sure, and sometimes even grandfather. At first, we knew the difference, but eventually we believed that our hunger pangs and other feelings were our imagination. When we enter the rooms of recovery, we are ready to release this new way of thinking. We begin to see that we no longer need to live in the survival mode of our childhood. We are ready to wipe the slate clean and write a new feature. And, and again, like I always have to remind myself, there's a difference between accountable and blame. And blame won't get me anywhere, but accountability for a dysfunctional household does, in my experience. <laughs> Back to the reading. In ACA, we meet people who will support us as we take a second look at our past. By working the steps and using the tools of the program, we gradually challenge the stories, roles, beliefs, and negative distorted thinking that has colored so much of our lives. We begin to accept the reality of our childhoods and that we did not cause the problems. We now get to write our own future. We no longer have to be defined by our original family roles or by the toxic thoughts, words, and actions of those around us. We get to choose what we want from life, how we see ourselves, and decide which filters we will use to perceive the world. On this day, I have the courage to face my past and the faith to write my future. I no longer doubt what I know to be true. And that's why this is such an important work, you know. And, uh, you know, I have a graduate degree, you know, it's something I'm pretty proud of. But I may or may not go back to school, but this really is probably the most important education of my life. Um, because it applies to all areas. And that concludes today's episode of Recovering My Inner Child. Until next time, this is Kowan Saluja reminding myself to pause, because that is where God is, to listen to my inner child, and to feel my feelings. <laughs>